Okay, well, here we are. <laughs> it's been a while since we've got to do these in person. Great to see everyone and our guests today. Um, I will call to order. Great. I will take the roll. Commissioner Wiley? Here. Commissioner Cooper? Here. Commissioner Wilshire? Commissioner Jalali? Commissioner Stevenson? Vice Chair Palmer? Here. And Chair Thompson? Here. All right. We have the quorum. All right. Um, so we start with public comments. Item one item is not on the agenda. So um, you actually said this. Anybody, anybody, anybody out there? Look at that comment that's not about it. It's not on the agenda. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so if anybody has comments not on the agenda, um, if you want to raise your hand during the uh, during the public comment portion of the agenda, you can use the raise hand function on Zoom under the reaction button at the bottom of your screen, or you can press star nine if you're calling in. The public comment is limited to three minutes per speaker. That being said, are there any members of the public who would like to comment? I do not see any hands raised. Okay. The next on the agenda is approval of the minutes from our March meeting. Um, make a motion to approve. Mm -hmm. All right, I'll call the roll again. Commissioner Wiley? Aye. <laughs> Commissioner Cooper? Aye. Commissioner Wilshire? Aye. Commissioner Jalali? Commissioner Stevenson? Vice Chair Palmer? Aye. Chair Thompson? Aye. All right, the motion passes. And now we have uh, our experiment presentations, and then we're going to start with Steve Mantley doing the work for presentation. Um, how many, how long of a time period do you want to put on the agenda? It's um, 15 to 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. Okay. It, whatever Q&A we do. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, we'll, we'll sure. And also, I don't know, you know, what in what direction exactly to go. Uh, but we uh, put a similar presentation and I want to introduce Amy Perchuk, who uh, co-founded Friends of Willow Creek with me um, many years ago, you know, 2011, I think. We were, we were a decade, yeah. Yeah, we were a group of parents, teachers, and even the heads of school uh, the Willow Creek Academy uh, supported environmental education for the school kids so uh, along the way, we discovered and uh, drew attention to creek resources in the city. And you know, in terms of the Sustainability Commission uh, mission, uh, we think there is some overlap, but unlike many communities that have creek resources that they want to protect in the name of sustainability of existing wildlife resources, et cetera, et cetera, uh, Sausalito is unique because there are no creek resources really to protect except the remnants that we did steward for many years very actively at the corner of Bridgeway in Nevada. So that's 365 linear feet of creek there. Otherwise, mostly just in back remnants here and there in the people's backyards, you know, in Hurricane Gulch where I live, uh, used to own a, a duplex that had uh, the creek and a culvert in the basement going under the shutter. 
So that's kind of the story of Greeks and why we were interested in drawing attention because of the, of the namesake of the city. So I think this is, I look at it as a potential gain for sustainability you know, and, and kind of reclaiming resources that have been lost and forgotten. Sausalito uh, means little willow thicket. Little willow thickets grow near little creeks. And so we're the city of little creeks. Where'd they go? <laughs> Uh, so, you know, if you go back to 1926, I mean, we spent a little time on this slide to get an idea of the, the heritage that's gone. Um, but you just look at the, um, see if I can use, yeah, I can use this. There's about six drainages, and we're talking about the American culture of old town. Um, so you see the development, you know, pretty set back then in the 20s. And um, so that the creek areas were buried and put in culverts uh, in the little downtown areas, you know, Spring Street Valley. And then here in the Willow Creek, quote unquote, uh, that's Watery Street goes right down here where the old creek used to be. And uh, so in the lower areas, uh, the development was to put in the culverts and not integrate them into the, into the, into the community. And the upper areas were open, but were culverted over time as property was developed. Which street did you just mention in the uh, Willow Creek area? Watery. Oh, Watery. And then Nevada, you know, is the other street. I draw the red line is roughly where the watershed is today. You know, there's drainage from Bridgeway that goes where the where the hill was cut for Marin Ship and used for fill. You know, that part of Bridgeway that now drains to Willow Creek. Um, and Willow Creek's not really the official name, it was sort of a nickname because that was the name of the school. So we, 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 it's not a big stretch to call it Creek Willow Creek. Historically, <laughs> we could not find a name for the Creek. Although we do know that um, the whiskey factory, the distillery, uh, used the fresh water from that creek. And the distillery was right where uh, Whiskey Springs is, the development. Across from, uh, yeah. We know there's got to be a rich history. We can talk about that a little bit. Before we get into that, I wanted to let you know, you know, years ago, we have a have a conceptual plan. So we, you know, I have the, as part of some grants we've received over the years, I, I uh, surveyed the whole creek and have a plan profile of it. It's, it's on our website, friendsofcreek.org. We've shared it with the city over the years. Um, because it's actually not a storm drain map of the city. I hate to say this, but yeah, we we map things the city doesn't have in their public works department. You know, so we're happy to share. Um, you know, whenever they want to look at it. Um, so we mapped from the bay uh, all the way up to Lincoln Drive and beyond, and. We have a conceptual plan. If you figure, okay, if you want to daylight the creek, look look at the whole watershed. And, and conceptualize what could be possible. Because when we got into this, we realized there's no significant structures above this creek, mm -hmm. except for street. Um, and this corporation yard goes right down to the center of it. There is a structure there, but it's just a the block building that could be demolished in a day. And uh, so there's really, and as you go through here, there's just shipping containers through the area uh, of the old Arcad shipyard. So it's, you know, our eyes lit, you know, or light bulb went above our head and goodness, you know, we could reclaim an entire urban creek 
if there was a political will and the funding and all that. And, you know, as we go into some of the details, we talk about a Nevada street parkway. This is a very wide street, and there's actually a wide right-of-way, and you could uh, push into the public lands and narrow the street and daylight the creek along Nevada street. It can be a parkway leading from the bus stop up to the school. Lovely vision. We have this existing open space. I mentioned the 365 feet. The corporation yard, good daylight through there. Um, through, you know, uh, you can keep the historic building. We, we, our, our friends at the creek, one of them is an architect who has explored and designs to repurpose the public works courtyard as an education center with a daylight creek. And then uh, finally, um, so in, in addition to, to looking at potential uh, sea level rise adaptation uh, and wetland, green wetland interface restoration here, we could also tunnel under 101 and create a northern connection to the Marin Headlands that doesn't exist today. The only way we can get up there is through some trails in Marin City, uh, up, you know, up above where the photo shows. Uh, and otherwise, you have to go down to Fort Baker, you know, or or the Morning Sun Trail at Spencer. But that's pretty much all the way you can get from Sausalito to the Marin Headlands. Uh, this, you could have a northern connection along the creek restoration and a wildlife corridor because this 101 is one of the heaviest wildlife mortality stretches in the state of California uh, because of all of the, you know, crossings wanting to get over to the Cypress Ridge areas of our, that were up there on the west, the east side of the freeway. So this, there's actually, it would be not uh, inexpensive, but and so this, it gets the imagination going as a, maybe a final phase of, of restoration and connection to the national park on the other side. Now, I haven't talked about phase one, which is really what I'm going to focus on the school. You get started in the school, you get the kids excited about it, and the teachers and families, and then we create more interest in the community uh, as we see it proven out in the school. So I mentioned where we came from. We focused a lot on environmental education in the early years, but we've received grants from private foundations mostly to design creek restoration projects. And we focus on the nexus of environment and education. And our mission is to protect and restore this creek by the school. We did a lot of work. We received over 100,000 in grants to do uh, some restorations there. Uh, that's the uh, open channel um, that we we're stewards of for many years. We haven't done a lot of work there for about five years, though, because you know, our kids got older. <laughs> we moved up. So, uh, why creek restoration? You know, there's a natural human and wildlife corridor we could create uh, the quality of life for people around there and in the school. Um, you know, our hydrology is year round, but buried. We have this condensation, the coastal fog on the ridge here. Uh, that fuels a perennial set of creeks that are always flowing, even in drought. So that's that's what makes it a little extra sad for me, is that not only were the creeks buried, but they're living, you know, uh, flowing creeks year-round as we speak. So, you know, and then we talk about, you know, the water Nixie. This is such good water that it was sold to people in San Francisco in the early 1800s. It was part of our supply. Uh, the Shanghai Tunnel and Springs um, was uh, sorry, um, 
water supply from uh, 1870 to 1900 until the Marine Municipal Water District got started. And uh, we feel like we start with the campus to bring funding from private sources of government. And we have some success there. We've got a $3 million grant in the works from uh, EPA that we're working on. So of six and seven creeks in the city, we just want to point out to the commission that this is the one, we've done the homework. This is the one you could restore. Primarily because there are no structures on top of it and how, what percentage of it is public property? Yeah, mostly, except for the lower end. The lower end, the, down in the Marin ship, it's, it's private property, but a large part, portion of this creek is publicly owned. Yeah, so someday if you want to try spelunking in Sausalito, you can do that at the Shanghai Tunnel, as is me, and the Abbott Chambers, who's going into the tunnel there. I'm in there where there's a nice still pool of pure water, uh, well water quality, and that's it coming out, going down the slope. It's in the grove of eucalyptus up down from the Alpha Trail. Uh, but yeah, this is this was actually, there's an old rusty water tank there. It was the water supply for the town. Uh, there was other sources, but this was the major one. It's up on the other side of the island. Yeah, yeah, rodeo drive exit there. Okay. Mm -hmm. Started that thing. Yeah. So uh, to Amy's point, the, the watershed's mostly publicly owned. The, the Shanghai Tunnel's in that middle, right, right in here. Wait, no, it must be up here, right where the big trees are, the uh, eucalyptus trees by the Alta Trail. Mm -hmm. Is that marked or is it just? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> So I just my point is this the where's the water come from? This is this is the source. It's uh it's the condensation of fog. You know, back in the 1945, this picture shows the the uh the building of the Redwood Highway and, and the tenements that were for uh Marine Ship uh Work, workforce and force wow, there's so mm -hmm. few trees. That's interesting when you look at it. That's all wooded now. Yeah, and there you go. Right? There's, that's what, what the watershed today. Uh, the water quality is excellent. You know, my friend who's a macro vertebrate specialist did a little sample of down by Bridgeway and found stone flies. You, know, you don't find stone flies in urban creek. So this is really uniquely uh, excellent water quality, mayflies. Um, you know, so we we did a daylighting proposal on the campus before they made a decision a couple of years ago to, to demolish you know the buildings in the campus and completely rebuild. Uh, we we came up with a daylighting plan that was funded by uh, private foundation funding, and we also want to get the school district and this is phase one, you know, the, the school district land uh, to to uh, use a well and irrigation system that's there. Uh, treat parking lot stormwater runoff, have outdoor classrooms, can be funded by grants. And there's actually a phase 1C that connects a 70 foot section between Lincoln Drive and the campus that's on HOA property that can be connected as well. So you have a connected corridor. Where's the creek now? <laughs> it's a, that's a drop structure right there uh, between buildings. And we actually had a design that go between the buildings. This is looking up from that point in the school campus. You can see the, uh, the, the water tank that's associated with the well. It's just sitting there with pure water in it, but not being used because the school district abandoned the infrastructure. Uh, but it's, on, it's in a two-foot pipe down this little canyon that we could restore. That's another view of it when we did some vegetation clearing. 
This is that section between the school district and Lincoln Drive. So if you see that little grate at the bottom, if you go there, you can hear year round, you can yeah. hear the creek running. Yeah, and so it goes up to Lincoln Drive. So this could be a creek corridor through there. It's uh, owned by the HOA and it's zoned open state. What would it look like? What would it look like if we restored a creek? I have some pictures of that. You know, this is a restored creek in Sonoma. This is our daylighting plan for that. Remember that drop structure you were looking at? It's located right here. So we had a, an S-shaped daylighting uh, plan in 2018. Uh, we used this actually to qualify for this $3 million grant. Um, and we've been trying to work with the school district to do it. Another view of what construction of urban creeks looks like, you know, you have to get in there and um, and uh, carefully restore, but you can do it closely, you know, within, you know, talking pretty closely with neighborhoods. You can see these people's houses right there. It's, it's done. Um, and we could do it with the school and with this, this city. In two years, what this looks like this, it's amazing how quickly the water will uh, make that um, transformation. Um, we talk about yeah, the outdoor classroom aesthetics, neighborhood trail, water quality and ecology. We want to point out the sea level rise adaptation. If, if we do the ambitious restoration of the extreme interface, this is our little circle of classroom down by the down by Bridgeway. And we were so excited in 2014, we were put on the map. You know, with all maps of the Bay Area and the basin plans and everything, we have kind of a blank area down here. Nobody gives us, you know, anything. but we know about the miracle of the year pound flow. And uh, Willow Creek was put on the map. See that little thing? <laughs> that was a big deal. <laughs> so, yes, well, you know, it's exciting. Get the kids out in the creek, do some science, and do some planting. Um, so we've been working with the school district and we wanted to put the creek through the campus, but they were uh, reticent to having the, uh, the creek go this direction. They wanted, um, they're going to demolish these buildings. And we had the creek kind of going through the buildings and then being sort of like the home run would go into the creek and you know, we had it all figured <laughs> out. Right? Well, splash it. Yeah, splash land. <laughs> Right. And we can still, I don't know if we can still do that, maybe with the right foot, right field. So what we've been working on this year is uh, where that swale uh, that was going to treat parking lot runoff was going to go down this way, right? Now we've redirected it, but we still have an outdoor classroom that we had in the previous plan. And we're going to route that this way. And so uh, the school district's asked us to try to see if it's feasible to have a perimeter creep. Now, it'll create a little disconnect down here. You know, it'll go into a storm drain and reconnect. So we lose that continuity of that first vision I showed you. But at the same time, you know, you get a proximity to the school. And it's outside the fence so that they can have their security. And we can still have a riparian corridor restoration. Um, that will cost a little bit more, but um, we think it can attract funding. So. Um, and, and I know there's a lot of this to, to digest. They're, they want to put a, a new soccer field here and a new baseball field here. And um, we're, we're going to soften the corner here, working with them and figure out a way to do both the school and the creek. Oh. Um, so next steps, we want to build support for creek restoration in our town. You know, our identity is about the shoreline and the sailing, you know, the, you know, the bay. And that's wonderful. 
but there's a, another water-related identity embedded in our name that we could seize and, and, and uh, try to you know, bring in the next generation of school kids around it, uh, but we need to build support for the idea because it's not inexpensive. Um, we're going to support the school district in administering EPA funds. We're going to be applying for more funds because $3 million is not enough uh, to do what we want to do. Uh, and then we'd love for the city and its residents to get excited about doing additional phases and really connecting this stream from a national park to the Richardson Bay someday. But it has to be in the DNA of the city. You know, like this is where we're going because it, it takes, it will take uh, decades to do it. Mm -hmm. And that, that's kind of my thought. Great, thank you. Uh, questions, discussion? <laughs> did, did you have a chance to cross reference any of the sites that goes through with the housing element? Oh, yeah. A good question. You know, we, we, we're tracking the corporation yard from a distance. You know, we've talked to folks about that. We know it's envisioned as a housing site. I mean, it's right next to residences. Pretty certain that that will be a housing site. Right. Yeah. So we always thought, oh, that's great, but then just put the creek in the right down the middle of it. Don't don't put housing on top of the creek. Sure. Yeah. 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 No, I did that. I lived off Crescent, and that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Is there a is there a flood assessment? I mean, because it's it's underground right now, so is there a way to anticipate? Well, yeah. You know, um, part of that design you saw on this one here. Um, you know, there's a careful analysis of the hydrology that goes behind that, right? So the, the $100,000 design, part of that was, was the engineering design and assessment about the hydrology of that. Um, the, the watersheds are pretty small. You saw that big map. It's just a little uh, you know, whisker on the bay. And so uh, the peaking of the flooding is not too high, you know, because there's a, it's the map. The map is related to the area of the watershed as well as the slope. And so uh, there is detention capacity upstream. There's a detention basin upstream of the freeway. So there's, it has a, a shaves the peak of the flood. And that's why we've been talking to school. A very, you know, obvious question is are, are the kids going to be safe during flood? Um, uh, we really looked at that seven different ways, you know. The, uh, and, and as I tried to explain to the school district, we have an ideal creek restoration because it has a high low flow and a low high flow. Meaning, you know, it's always flowing, so it's got a high low flow. But when it really comes in hard, um, the, the highest peaks are quite low. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's your ideal restoration for a school. Is that detention basin constructed? Uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, there's a standpipe, uh, and you can access it. Uh, it's a courtyard for Caltrans. It's not well fenced, so you can just park on the side of the freeway just before the Rodeo Drive exit, and just walk down there, and you see it's like. But a, it's not a natural depression. It, it was built. It, well, yeah. It's on that. It's on the other side of 101, so it looks yeah. to be like it would be right before the the uh, culvert goes under the freeway. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's up here, uh -huh. in in this area. Uh -huh. So there's the exit. See there, that's the courtyard there, and then the drainages all come down here. So there's sort of a basin down in here. Uh -huh. I have a question about 
access to water during extreme droughts. <laughs> now, is there anything in this that helps Sausalito with water access in droughts, or is it all accessible anyway? You understand the question. It's like, is there something here that helps the city go, oh, yeah, we have a water source when we need it? Sure. Well, you know, it was. Um, uh, it was uh, the water supplier for the town when the town had 300 people, you know. Right. And so uh, this tank up here, where am I? Yeah, that wood tank came in. Yeah, yeah. It's actually a. a... There it is. Yeah. See, this, it's a pretty substantial water tank. It's concrete. And there's a well, uh, the well pump works. Uh, we had it tested, uh, but with a distribution pump doesn't work. But uh, this five gallon per minute well, um, you know, so it's good for emergency supply. It's really potable quality. Uh, and that doesn't change in this new plan. No, no, it's just, it's there. So it's going to be there. Yeah. The idea was originally to use the irrigation of the field. Oh. You know, save money, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, bypass, uh, you know, the, the, the water bill and just pump for irrigation from there. Um, so it, it, you know, you could invest in that in that whole system and possibly have a some kind of. I, I'm not sure about potable. Yeah, you'd have to do. There's a way to, to do that. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. you can you can uh, chlorinate it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's that's one piece, and then this this constant flow is twenty thousand gallons a day. You know? So yeah. it's a good emergency supply. Emergency diverted. Yeah. Okay. Can you explain the, the sea level? You mentioned sea level rise and that connection. So yeah. Talk a little bit yeah. more about what that is. Yeah, that's you know that that's this section here. And so if you're familiar with the Lemon property, uh, uh, okay, FedEx. What is it? What is it now? Um, so there's Molly's Mill and there's FedEx right behind. Is it so bad? Right yeah. behind FedEx, yeah. the creek runs. Yeah, and great. it runs. Past the back of FedEx through parking, um, which is open air parking and storage mm -hmm. to the bay. Mm -hmm. uh, it's right underneath the blacktop. Um, and it's, you know, that's where, where, where they, you know, would it be amazing to have, a, you know, a little, you know, estuary there, the same, same way as near, uh, near Galilee, you know, where the bay and the creek meet? It would be look awesome. a lot like that. That's a good vision. It would be awesome. Mm -hmm. and, and, we talk about the benefits of doing that in terms of um, um, stormwater management, and you know, you know how those areas benefit the city in terms of. Well, you know, this isn't a huge watershed, you know. Right. So, I, I, and uh, the the sea level rise adaptation would be an incremental benefit, I think. You know, it's not really this isn't solve the city problem. Right. But it had place. It puts a place for the water to go. So if you design it right, so this area, you know, is is a decent sized area here where there are no structures. You know, it's just parking. Can you see where that is? And yeah. 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 This area here. So that's really what it is. It's it's allowing potentially for the water to go somewhere like like when it floods over by heat. You know, it's just because there's nowhere for that water to go. So it just goes and sits in the street. In this case, there would be a way to mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. just pull that way. Um, and and so I don't want to oversell it really right. because you know, sea level rise adaptation, I can Michelle knows a lot about this, you know, means you need area, you need land area to be able to create the volume to absorb. 
So this would be a, a localized adaptation, um, but properly designed should you know help mitigate local flooding issues. Again, the, the challenge with that it's private land. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if, you know what kind of incentive or kind of management it would be to turn it over and open up. But that was that's what we already vision, I think, for the city. I mean. It's it's it's, it's challenging to work down there. It's marine ship, and so there may be contaminated soils issues. And so, and then when you start excavating and do restoration, you can end up with some you know long term challenging things, <laughs> costly. You know, in theory, you try to get uh, federal or state funding to assist with that type of thing, knowing that there's the ecological benefit that you're and community benefits that you're you're trying to get. Uh, to create more of a natural shoreline. So, Steve, you've done some work like that in other areas, right? Yeah. yeah. Along, the, along the shoreline. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, toxic cleanup, though, not so much in wetlands, you know, mm -hmm. kind of the toxic cleanup on a former treatment plant site. Right? Um, so, then it, just to move our agenda along, what's, what is the step that the commission here can should take, or is it just us being aware of this and knowing this is in, in progress and we can support it in whichever way we want to do it. Yeah, yeah, we're always looking for support. You know, it's uh, when we were working with the school district, you know, uh, you get turnover of parents and teachers and, yeah. and leadership and there's a memory loss of, you know, so we talk about 12 years working on this and a lot of that isn't recognized by the folks we're working with. Right. So we're just communicating you know, the work we've been up to you know it's not 24 7 or anything we yeah. just kind of been minding it and, and being strategic we're excited right now with the cpa grant and the opportunity to work with the school district but it's not a done deal yet you know they still have to really agree and so having support of the sustainability commission saying you know the, the city is interested in supporting these um, ambitious yeah um restoration you know um, projects and and saying in the name of sustainability, you know, and creating wildlife corridors and, you know, that wonderful area that we've um, protected, the Cypress Ridge and the Lincoln area and all that, um, there's not very many water sources for that wildlife. Yeah. And so if we do a, a, a daylighting of the channel right there by the, the school, it's adjacent to those wildlife corridors. And so now you've created this. Uh, water source for them, you know, in drought conditions and that sort of thing. And we and we have a water subcommittee as part of our commission, mm -hmm. David and Kimberly is not here mm -hmm. today, but this is one of the subjects that they will move forward as as appropriate. Mm -hmm. well, that's great. You know, we, we just we appreciate that having your voice there. You know, we have Sausalito Beautiful, really excited about this. Uh, a big part of the community of parents and teachers think this is a, you know, a great thing yeah. to do. But you know, local governments can get risk averse. You know, it's like, well, if it was in a pipe, maybe that's the best thing. Is there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they did it the first Yeah. Yeah. They must have been right. Is it? Are you? Is it Superintendent Garcia? Is that who? Yeah. Maybe you okay. talking to him? And yeah. We've had great conversations with him on the energy side. He seems yeah. very, very good. So, okay. Uh, and, and, you know. you're, in, you're dealing with all different kinds of issues and different opportunities and all different groups and all different, you know. So it's just for us to be, for you to, you to keep this in the back of your mind. Yeah. You're having those conversations, but you're talking to other people, you know, this may be relevant. 
just a close conversation. Yes. And, you know, we, we want to make sure that that if there are opportunities, you can leverage off of other projects or other efforts. Um, and if you see opportunities for us, that you you know reach out to us and let us know. Right. We actually have a blue economy initiative yeah. that you may be aware of that I'm involved in directly, which could collaborate with this. So we'll. Yeah, yeah. didn't they identify something along the shoreline that they're going to try and move on with? Oh, that's the blue economy. No. Then you may be the, there's also the sea level rise. I think it might be the sea level rise. Yeah. Do I yeah, I speak? Of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Working with QD and others on the request for proposals for the sea level rise that line plan. Yeah. And we wrote in Willow Creek specifically to ask for right. people to look at that opportunity. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's an example. That's a great example. Where these yeah. where these things, you know, just what what is painful is when you are having a conversation with someone and you realize the project has gotten to a certain point with mm -hmm. absolutely no knowledge of what we're doing. Yeah. And then it's like, oh my God, you know, if you'd only known about this, you know, six months ago or two years ago, you think you, it, it just changes the way that these things evolve. So our hope is just to be embedded into your thinking and that you know that we're a resource. And you know, we've we've done a lot of heavy lifting on the grant proposal side. Um, we've sort of started, Steve has a, a very good knowledge of what the different agencies are and uh, funding opportunities. Um, so we're, we're also available to help advise and help funds. Awesome. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. All kinds of multi benefit, you know, multi, you know bundling benefits, yeah. kind of partnerships. Mm -hmm. So you see that a little bit in my talk, I hope, you know, this idea oh, you've got connectivity with the National Park. Yeah, it's very interesting in early conversations with people in the community. You know, we've talked about the creek and the school, education, and all right. When we talked about being able to actually walk from Sausalito up into the headlands, they're like, "Yeah, I want that." <laughs> you know, or or bike. You know, the the biking coalition was like, "Oh, we could have a bike yeah, yeah. I mean, because right now you got to go park your, I don't know where. You know, you got to go anyway. Well, we're all owned by Caltrans. This big chunk yeah, of land. It, it, it's a big, yeah, it's a big idea, but. Great. Um, thank okay. you. Yeah. This is all great. And we've got connections here and collaborations. And by the way, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Morning Sun. We only get it there. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. I put a lot of, lot of shoe leather on that. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Okay. Um, thank you. I think we're going to shout out. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. All right, so we will move forward. Uh, we now have Christina Work presenting, um, and she's been leading on the, the countywide electrification strategy. So, hi, Christine, can you hear us? <laughs> Hello, everybody. Sorry, I couldn't be there in person with you, um, but it's nice to see you all. It's been a while since I've been to the sustainability, uh, the Sausalito Sustainability Commission. So, tonight I'm here to present the the, our electric vehicle acceleration strategy. And let me share my screen. Okay. So this is a countywide strategy and it's been created by the Burn Climate and Energy Partnership of which Sausalito is of course a member as are all of the cities and towns in Marin, the county and MCE, the um, Transportation Authority Marin and Marin Water are all partners. And this particular project was funded through the Transportation Authority of Marin from their alternative fuel program. 
And when we set out with this project, it was over a year ago. Uh, the goal is to accelerate EV adoption and specifically to meet the targets that are in all of our um, climate action plans. Each jurisdiction has actually a different target or some of them are the same, but they vary. Uh, I have a slide to show you that in, um, in a minute, but we wanted to support those targets so everybody could meet their long range uh, greenhouse gas emissions reductions. And the intent is to develop a plan that can be accepted and adopted by all jurisdictions and that will have mutual policies and programs that we wanna implement and we can do that all together. So we started this off by uh, forming a subcommittee in MCEP and we met um, monthly for a while. We developed some guiding principles, which are on the next slide. We did quite a bit of outreach to stakeholders. So we met with all of our jurisdiction staff, including public works departments, because they're going to bear the brunt of implementing a lot of this, at least when it comes to municipal fleets and installing EV chargers on municipal property. We also talked to some community leaders. We spoke with state agencies. What we really wanted to do is understand what, the, what are the barriers and challenges to widespread EV adoption. We also reviewed other agencies' plans and guidance from regional and state agencies. We really wanted to come up with a plan that was um, pretty simple, that was reader-friendly, user-friendly, and focused mostly on the solutions, although we do have some background material, which I'm going to be sharing with you. So our guiding principles, like I said, um, we wanted to support our local climate action plans. We wanted to provide equitable access to EV programs, and that's something that really runs through the, um, the policies and the measures that we included in the plan. We want to coordinate countywide for consistency, efficiency, and cost effectiveness. That's really a goal of all of the programs that we work together um, to implement and at uh, MCEP. We want to focus our local government actions on those that most efficiently use public funds and resources, knowing that our local governments are constrained and have limited resources. And because of that, we wanna leverage regional, state and federal funding as much as possible, and also support acceleration of EV sales and charger installation by the private market. We're hoping that they will, of course, do um, a heavy lift in this as well. So some existing conditions, this is our 2020 data. We're right now working on our 2021 emissions inventories and I'll hopefully have Sausalitos to share in the next month or two. But countywide, and this is true for um, Sausalito as well, transportation makes up more than half of our emissions. And of that, passenger vehicles make up 80%. So this plan is really focusing on passenger vehicles that you know, reducing those emissions is really critical to meeting our local and state emissions reduction goals. Um, I'm getting a sign that my, my connection is unstable. Are you guys hearing me okay? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay, all right. Um, you know, let me know if there's a problem because I'll just shut off my, uh, well, I don't know if I can shut my video off. I hope this works okay. So existing conditions at the end of 2021, this is the latest CEC data that I have available, 12,400 ZEVs in Marin. ZEVs include battery electric vehicles, also plug-in hybrids, and fuel cell electric vehicles, of which make a very small percentage of our fleet here in Marin. Um, countywide, 
this chart over here on the right is showing you the re registered percent of registered passenger vehicles by jurisdiction. Countywide, we're at 5.8%, and Sausalito is just a little bit above that. I believe it's, it's right in front of me, 6.3% is Sausalito. We are the second highest adoption um, in per capita in California. We're sit behind Santa Santa Monica, um, Santa Mate, not Mateo, Santa Clara. Sorry, Santa Clara County, and statewide, almost three percent of registered vehicles are ZEV. So we're doing much better than statewide. We need to do better than that. Um, the most recent statistics sh is showing that. 33% of vehicle passenger vehicle sales in Marin County are EVs, which is actually quite good and will really help us. Um, so these are our GHG reduction goals by jurisdiction and the ZEV registrations. So Sausalito, your goal is in line with the state. That's 40% below 1990 level by 2030. And your ZEV um, goal is 30%. So that's pretty much in line with where the other jurisdictions are. So when we're talking about what do we need to do in order to meet our target, uh, this the graph on the left is looking at a 35% Marin target. And if we were able to just maintain the growth rate that we've had over the past three years, which is 21% over the past three years, we could meet our goal. We could meet that 35% target. Not unrealistic. I think we're probably doing better than that right now. Of course, as the market matures, the growth rates, and there's just a lot more vehicles, the growth rate, growth rate will, um, will drop. The there is a new, I'm sure you have all heard about the new statewide regulation that all, all passenger vehicles that are um, sold will have to be ZEVs, zero emission vehicles by, 100, um, by 2035. So this graph on the right is actually showing the target that um, the California Air Resources Board has set for State percent of sales. So in 2023, 21% of sales will be EVs, ZEVs in county um, statewide. And that actually is where we are at. So we're kind of right on target here. Um, but what we need here in Marin County, we're actually higher than, you know, our goals are higher than what the state has in mind. And so we can't rely on the state regulation um, entirely. We need to do more than that. There, the CEC did a study um, a little while back about what our uh, charger need is in Marin County. These are 2021. As of then, we had almost 740 public and shared private chargers in Marin. Shared private are chargers that are at like shopping center, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, at workplaces or at multifamily buildings. And so where I have 740, undoubtedly we have way more than that of single family home chargers. We don't have very good data that we can collect. This would be like building permit data. So we, we tried, but we just kind of gave up on that. But we do know like, for example, the highest rates of, um, of ZEV ownership at this point are like uh, Tiburon and Belvedere. They have more than, I think it's like 12, 10 or 12%. And they have 
two e public EV chargers. So most of these, um, it's kind of the easiest is to install an EV charger in a single family home. Um, fortunately, 71% of our housing units in Marin are single family homes. So that's kind of the low hanging fruit. But what we know is that our greatest need is for shared private chargers in multifamily buildings. And that's shown here in this chart on the right. We're actually making pretty good progress on these public chargers. It's the shared private chargers, these and especially the multifamily, that um, we really uh, will need to step up. And we can't just rely on our single family homes and uh, people who own single family homes to, to install chargers. So we have a real opportunity here, especially with, you know, I'm probably aware of your housing element and the high numbers that all of our jurisdictions are coping with through the original housing needs allocation. And so there's going to be a lot more new multifamily buildings up. And so there's a real opportunity to make sure that those multifamily buildings have enough EV chargers and enough um, EV you know, charging receptacles so that they're ready for our all electric future. Back in 2019, TAM did a siting plan. Some of these, or I should say a lot of these chargers have actually been installed, but they did identify places where level two chargers were needed. Um, level two chargers take longer, six to eight hours to charge a, a fully charge a battery. So these are particularly good in places where cars are sitting for a long time, like workplaces, um, school parking lots, smart stations, ferry terminals, park and ride lights, uh, lots. And then level three chargers are where are needed. Um, these can be particularly on like frontage roads, places where people are pulling off. They're on a long, um, they're traveling long places and they just need to charge so they, they can keep going. Also level three chargers that are near work, um, multifamily, um, multifamily buildings. And even level two chargers that are in public parking, like shopping centers that have multifamily buildings near them because we do know that people will charge their car overnight in those shopping center parking lots and just walk to their buildings if, if it's not too far. Turning to municipal fleets, we did an inventory of how many vehicles our municipal fleets, are, all the towns have. Um, Sausalito doesn't have any, at least when we did this. Uh, we did the inventory, but actually most of our uh, our jurisdictions do not have that many. And that's because it's really the passenger cars up until this point that have been the easiest ones to replace. And, uh, and jurisdictions just don't have that many passenger cars in their fleets. If they do, they're typically used to go to meetings. They're used for site visits, um, for code enforcement, but most of the vehicles in a municipal fleet are special duty, they're, passenger, they're um, police vehicles, they're public work trucks, they're fire engines. Um, so those are just not that easy to, they, there's not that many options available for electric vehicles. That's changing now, of course. So we are getting, as you can see here with Fairfax, um, so a light truck. San Rafael also has two pickup trucks now. The Ford F-150 is certainly going now help to start electrify um, our fleets and have a, do a better, a better job of that. We, in the plan, we identify barriers to EV adoption. Um, some of these, even over the past year that we've been working on this plan, 
Um, some of them are getting better, you know, EV range, uh, lack of diversity in vehicle types. There's a lot more vehicle types out there right now. We still are kind of struggling with this lack of vehicle availability, but hopefully that will start to work itself out. Um, you know, I think the the bottlenecks we had with the pandemic are, are starting to work out. And just with the the legislation and and you know with California's mandate that all all vehicles be EVs by 2035 is going to just by you know force the market to provide more vehicles that are EVs for charging again um, the multifamily is really the most difficult thing to and is especially difficult to retrofit existing multifamily buildings. Um, there's a lack of parking spaces for them. And there are some solutions. There's orange, which will actually, you can use that to monitor your uh, electricity use. And so that's billed directly to the, the multifamily tenant. So there are some, some solutions here, but it is, um, it is a difficult and it's definitely a barrier. Economics, we um, EVs are still more expensive than their ICE, or, uh, that's internal combustion engine counterparts. But you know, we all know that the cost of ownership is actually, if you have an EV, is actually in the long run cheaper. The revenue from the public EV chargers just really doesn't cover the cost of subscription, maintenance, electricity, and depreciation. So that is a barrier for our local governments to install EV chargers. There's still misinformation out there about electric vehicles, um, simply resistance to change, fear of the unknown. So it's gonna take a while. We're moving from the early adopters to the early majority. And you know, there's always gonna be people who are the last ones to switch over to EVs. And then we did look at barriers to e-bikes and e-scooter adoption. Of course, those are much higher in, in price than a regular bicycles. Um, probably the lack of secure parking is the biggest problem because those the e-bikes do tend to get stolen. And also just the lack of safe, protected cycling infrastructure, which is a problem for all bicycling. So um, the EVs, our strategy has 36 actions in four different areas. So our expectation here is not, you know, a one size fits all plan. Some of the actions just won't be um, pertinent to a specific jurisdiction. So our expectation is that the jurisdictions will identify and then prioritize specific actions for implementation. And then we've also provided a sample work plan in the appendix for this purpose. So the idea is that staff will take that work plan identify which ones and then prioritize them, assign responsibility, um, and then also you know, funding how, how much will this cost to implement. So very quickly, kind of a high level of what actions we've included. I know that the plan itself was distributed to all of you, so I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but one action is conducting robust community outreach and education that can be through the city communication channels using like um, regular email blasts, a newsletter I know are typically very well read in our local governments, supporting countywide marketing campaigns. The county is actually undergoing one right now and focusing a lot of that work on lower income and our underrepresented communities, 
supporting consumer awareness programs such as Ride and Drives, um, Ride and Clean, Ride and Drive Clean. The area does um, a lot of these in Marin County and just promoting available rebates and incentives. Under the second area, which is accelerating public charging infrastructure, um, probably one of the most important ones is to adopt a model reach code with EV infrastructure requirements that are above the base code. So this is how we get more uh, EV chargers in shopping centers, especially we can do this with remodels as well and in multifamily buildings. In identifying locations for public chargers and including those projects in the capital improvement plan. So this is, you know, really having staff identify, you know, have a, come up with a plan, which, um, which vehicles um, or which chargers can, where can we, I, where can we put them in and how are we going to pay for these and when are we going to do this? We're recommending focusing municipal investment in frequently used properties uh, like community centers, again, near multifamily buildings, utilizing available assistance for site and equipment analysis, financing and ins installation. The Transportation Authority of Marin actually does provide a lot of um, assistance in these areas. And then identifying e-bike facilities, including level one charging, but mostly secure parking that that again is one of the bigger issues. So I'm just gonna keep going. So I don't wanna take up all the time just reading all of these, but you can read them in the plan. Increasing municipal fleet electrification. Our recommendation is that all of our jurisdictions have a goal to convert 100% of their fleets to EVs by 2030. That again is developing this fleet replacement plan and then being sure that it's included in the capital improvement planning and including fire and police vehicles when the local government has jurisdiction over those departments. Identifying a fleet replacement manager, installing municipal chargers in, in anticipation of the EV charging need or in, you know, concurrently with um, converting EVs, converting the fleet to electric vehicles and also incorporating e-bikes in the municipal fleet. And then finally, supporting and advocating for policy and funding that accelerates EV adoptions. We all know that we need more money. We always do additional funding for municipal needs. Also policy and funding that supports equity priority communities. So focusing our investment in low-income communities, providing equitable access to rebates and incentives, also equitable access to EV chargers as well. That is in the plan. So we make sure that we have EV chargers in lower income um, communities near lower income uh, housing developments, and then developing specific programs for these um, equity priority communities, like, like programs such as buyback programs. Um, so we can buy back old vehicles and then provide funding for a new EV vehicle. So next steps, I would like to present this EV strategy to your city council. And then I know that staff will um, either they're directed by the council to complete the work plan, or they could do that in advance of, um, and we could bring the work plan to city council, but I haven't really worked out with, with staff, which, um, which avenue that they would like to take. So with that, I am happy to answer any questions that you might have. Thank you, Christine. That's very helpful. Sure. 
Thank you for all your work on this. I know you've been working on this for a number of years, so um, grateful for all this. We, we have prior as a commission, sustainability commission here, we have prioritized EV charging and promoting EVs and, and not everything in your plan, because there's a lot of good detail there, but a couple of key things. And we are aware that we're still behind on this <laughs> here in Sausalito. So um, this is very helpful. I have one question is about you know moving forward with this plan and how we can accomplish what we need to accomplish here. I mean, we've been aware of you know the emissions, the highest emissions category here by far is people driving cars. And Sausalito has a unique use case, which is we get a lot of visitors here, of course. That's different than most of the other towns in Marin. So we have a, a use case where we definitely need chargers in public lots where people are coming to park and enjoy the city here um, and also using the ferry. So we want to satisfy that case as well. Um, my, my first question is a simple one, which is we, we now thankfully have Katie on staff who's our resilience and sustainability manager. And in, for her role here and for us to support her, can she and us reach out to you when we have questions or you know, can we leverage your expertise in this plan in an ongoing way, not just as a document, but as uh, you know, emails, questions, conversations, et cetera. Is that possible? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we can also bring in um the Transportation Authority of Marin uh staff yeah. as well, because they're, you know, they really are the technical partners here. Yeah. Yeah, we have so we have. MCE and Transportation Authority of Marin already involved in a plan for us to put I think 14 MCE. ports in three parking lots here. And that's in process, but it's taking longer than any of us want it to. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> Oops. Yeah, Christine, um, just if it's helpful for you as you're preparing for perhaps presenting to city council, if you search on the Sausalito site for Earth Day update, we put out an Earth Day update every year and uh -huh. Greg and Mark for the um, transportation, or no, Greg okay. and David, uh, for transportation subcommittee. There's a nice summary in there under transportation where you can see what is already sort of in process and in plan just to help you with your own presentation so that you're aligned and of course they're available too but great, great. thank you it's pretty current yeah and it's essentially um 14 level two ports at three public lots that would be key locations for both visitors and residents basically um that's great we've got some hiccups on implementing this <laughs> we don't have to go into those details but that's in the plan. So, that, you know, that's in process, if you will. Wonderful. <laughs> but lots more to do. <laughs> and our current, you know, our, we do have our, our newsletter currents and we, it will feature things like the ride and drive clean um, events and promotions and all that. So we are um, constantly including that in our newsletter, the city's newsletter, as an example of the outreach side. I think on the, the fleet, the city fleet piece, 
I do wonder, maybe it's a, I don't know, Katie, if you've learned yet. I don't know about if what the jurisdiction over the police are, but, you know, there seems, I think they just, I read, they just got some new, new ones in there. And I'm not sure if anyone's delivered the message over there that this is an objective of the cities. Yeah, I have a few updates along those lines. I wasn't sure if I should share them now or share them with the subcommittee update. So I mean subcommittee update. Okay. Just in reference to what Christine specifically was talking about, um, I, you mentioned something, you know, in, in me diving into this issue, you mentioned um that there was the need or some sort of you know development of an EV replacement plan fleet manager. Um, and you know that certainly hit home with the the amount of research that I've been doing in the past few weeks, um, just to get up to date on this. Um, and certainly your expertise along those lines might be helpful in the future. Um, when yeah, absolutely. I mean, it uh, kind of all starts with a fleet replacement policy, so that the council, you know, directs staff to to you know prioritize EVs and, you know, it could even be, even if they cost a little bit more, you know, and, and to set the direction for staff to, to look at, look at EVs and bring EV options to the council when the council needs to approve a purchase. Um, and then, you know, doing an inventory of all of the vehicles that there are, are they leased? When are the leases up? When is the replacement? Um, what are the possible you know, knowing in advance, like what are the possible models that that could be used? Where do we need? You know, there are electric street sweepers out there right now, but that would take some. You know, if that was some a, a vehicle that was going to be replaced, you know, you need to do some research on some of these vehicles. Um, so, having a plan in place, having somebody responsible for that, um, is really helpful. And we do have technical expertise again, especially at the um, at the Transportation Authority Marina Tam. Right. Okay. Uh, Christine, I might mention that, uh, you, or you mentioned that the uh, building code is one of the primary tools for to affect uh, multifamily and, and new construction. Uh, we, we are working on that as well, uh, and, and we're a little bit behind, but we do have recommendations going to City Council on uh, adopting the EV uh, reach codes that, that are modeled by Marin County. Great, great. So are you also looking at the all electric building code then as well, yeah. I presume? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that, that's our recommendation is to, you know, to go with the Marin County code. Um, there are other options, of course, you know, you can do tier one or tier two in the building code, but we feel like, you know, the more jurisdictions that have the same code, it's just uh, better for contractors. It just makes it much easier for them. So. Absolutely. I, I can also share just from one of our commissioners is not here, but provided an update um, that for Whiskey Springs, if you're familiar with Whiskey Springs um, and the community, they have an EV charging station now scheduled for fall installation. So. That's exciting. I'm curious if uh, anyone can talk about the plans for electric bikes and maybe charging bikes and then uh, bike uh, transportation in general in Sausalito, like 
Bike safety is a big one. I know I ride my EV, my electric bike a lot more if I knew it was safe when I got where I was going. That's a good question. We don't have a plan there yet. Safe on while you're riding it or safe on parking? Both, but I was talking about when I park. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I noted to bring it up with SWA, who's working on the ferry landslide project, yeah. to see if we can oh, right. incorporate yeah. that. I have a brainstorming meeting with them coming up. So that was something that I meant to bring. Okay. Yeah, the connection from where Mike's bikes is. For the bike path where it sort of terminates and then it just it's a free-for-all all the way to the bridge i mean all the way to bridgeway you know and through town um, or to to the ferry um, where a lot of people can ride and then park at the ferry but then you have what do you do with your bike the ferries won't allow e-bikes on them so for some reason they don't allow them no you can't bring e-bikes on the ferry um, I mean, it's, who knows? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, 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 the ferry are going to be like a hydrogen, so. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's science. Maybe they don't accept e-bikes on the ferries. So. So that, I mean, the whole point is that as soon as you leave the bike path, yeah. that goes all the way up and through San Rafael, and you can hook up the smart train and, you know, it just turns into nothing here. And I, yeah. there's a, I saw something about a bridgeway um, commission that's trying to deal with some of the, the traffic issues on especially the connector to the Golden Gate because um, mm -hmm. there's really no bike path and and there are thousands of bikes commuters that, yeah. that go back and, and forth. Isn't yeah. there a commission yeah. just on biking? Yeah, yeah. 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 Biking and pedestrian. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think they should certainly look at, you know, Having just ridden my first electric bike while on a vacation, I realized how fast those things go and I heard about it. But just being on one, I, I get it now. The the fear about people not like should there be speed limits and how can we all be safe and yeah. But from the e-bike perspective and commuters as they approach the city of Sausalito, it just the sort of protected routes get very de minimis at that point. Yeah. And the challenges of parking a bike and commuting get really tough as well. Mm -hmm. But as we all know, there are thousands and thousands of bike right. crews through here yeah. on a daily basis. It really yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, it seems like a, a battery hazard. like a corral, you know, with somebody who, you know, a staff person there who is making sure that the bikes are safe would be something that could work in Sausalito. Um, paid for, of course, by all the bike companies that are sending all of those tours your way. Well, they do have five dollar bike parking now by the ferry terminal. I just noticed that. You know, uh, okay. I hadn't seen that before. Well, good. Again, thank you, Christine. We have lots to do on this topic, and uh, we know how important it is. So we appreciate this all this research and help, and uh, we'll we'll be doing more. And we have, thankfully, Katie with us to help. Yep, I will be your staff point of contact from now on. <laughs> okay. All right. Very good. Well, enjoy the rest of your meeting. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye. All right. So we get to move on to housekeeping and committee update items. And I forgot to mention at the beginning, of course, welcome, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> She had already jumped in 
15 feet <laughs> into the pool and um, she's been doing so many things already, but it's just great to have you here. The city did the right thing, of course, by having a resilience and sustainable manager and we appreciate everything already, so. <laughs> Not without all of your hard work. Thank you for leveraging for my position. <laughs> Talk to you all. <laughs> Um, so we start with the city council meeting on update. Um, Mayor Blaustein is she's not, she's not able to join okay. us. Is there on that topic the latest? There's been discussion at city council, of course, about the commissions and what's going to happen with them. Do, is, do you have an update, or you know, um, I can provide an update for those of you who didn't listen okay. to the lengthy debate at city council? It was one. <laughs> It was about an hour and a half or something along those lines. Um, they're going through um, each commission kind of on a process by process basis um, and discussing which ones are staying and going. Um, there was quite a bit of a mention about the sustainability commission during the meeting. Um, and Councilmember Cullen particularly voiced the support. Um, for, for keeping it around um, to support me and all of your expertise along those lines. Um, so they haven't made an official decision about anything, um, but because of those examples, I would imagine it's not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I, I My expectation is that we'll simply change the quarterly yeah. meetings and with you in this role that's going to be totally fine because we were working with you ongoing anyway yeah. right so yeah right totally. without yeah. you here that would have been would a be real problem, problem. Yes. Yeah. 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 but now we can i did notice on their on their slide that they had um it looked like they thought we were already meeting yeah. quarterly yeah um when i, in reality, I think i sent it to you guys on that question like okay. why i've been saying or maybe it was, I don't know, but yeah, I noticed that too because we're, yeah. I don't know if it was an error or an it was intent. An error. <laughs> Ollie, I think Ollie was spelling that out for a bunch of different mm -hmm. parts of the country, something along those lines. Um, yeah. Maybe we'll go down to Okay, yeah, and the other city council item is, um, and we don't have to resolve it now, it's just on the table for us to have. An approval of Michelle's application to join us. If, yeah, if you could tell me anything on the side. Find out. <laughs> yeah. And Michelle, you guys know, I mean, she has yeah. enormous expertise. And you can interview well, Yeah, I mean, I didn't know that that's what you did. That's so exciting. I don't know you, know. you but I don't know here. I wanted to come anyway. But um, yeah, so I applied, I think it's been a month. I applied quite a while ago. And I haven't heard anything official from this little but um, I'm an engineer by training, a water engineer, and I do wetland restoration, all sorts of um, shoreline restoration work. It's not a profession, but I've been working most recently with the Field Wells Task Force for Sausalito. I moved here two and a half years ago and ran into an old client of mine who's on the task force and he pulled me in, and it's been great. I love it. And um, so we've been getting the momentum to go after funding. So now we have the million dollars from the state to do the sea level rise planning and start implementing some of the first projects along the shoreline. 
um, a group of us have been working to put together the request for proposals for the shoreline plan um, and working with Katie on that. And I think we're it's in review by various people over the next couple weeks. And I think it's going to get to soon. Um, and then if I'm invited to join the um, sustainability commission, I would want to bring uh, the habitat enhancement and the sea level adaptation to the commission. I I would hope that I mean we waited so long um, because they moved. We were low on people, and they moved right at that time to deciding once a year on replacements. And we ended up having to wait like nine months for, or was it Kim Marie or May? Yeah, yeah. And and Reza maybe I'm not sure, but <laughs> but we were in danger of sort of getting too small. So I hope that we have a candidate waiting, and there may be other applicants. But it'd be really good to know what. Do you know if they're keeping that annual schedule where they do all the commissions in like one day? I. I have no idea about that. That would be good to know because I, it may in fact be coming up soon if that's the case, yeah. which would mean that you're in the queue for that. But I would hope. And know. we have two alternate positions sitting there, and there's no reason why those should wait. And so that's yeah. one of the a tactic would be, a, you know, yeah. we shall that. And yeah. So maybe that's the action is just to figure out when and when can we move it yeah. through, or are we waiting for some big all commissioning? Thing. Are they waiting for this decision on well, what I made, they're going to stay and go? I made the that. point to them <laughs> that we should not wait for that because we we want to have yeah. Michelle, you know, be a, a, a commissioner, uh -huh. and that can happen now, and then the changes and things can be later. But she's still going to, you know, be an important contributor. So anyway, well, it takes an appointment for the city council. Yeah, that's yeah. what we have. Yeah. Right. All right, we'll follow up on that to hopefully get it. I did hear Melissa say recently that there are several appointments not with our commission that he would take. Yeah, so yeah. I know she. We were getting close to that. Yeah, remember up what the required commissions that had their application deadline about a month ago. So I made sure I got in that yeah. deadline. But then, and they actually set an interview appointment with me and then said, oh, our mistake, we're not doing this, this commission right now. All right. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, we'll move on to waste and read. It's waste and reuse. Is that the formal name? Um, <laughs> What I, what's whatever I put in the uh, the, the update. It's it's mm -hmm. it's waste reuse and recycling. Okay. Um, all of them, all of the above. Uh, and my subcommittee cohorts—they're not here this evening. Um, but I mean, the big news. Is really, I mean, thanks to Katie just jumping in and moving mountains <laughs> with lawyers and being with us and doing a crash course on reuse and all that. It looks like we're yeah. good to go. Yeah, we as of Tuesday, right? Yeah, as of Tuesday, we are all passed. We're just waiting for county council to sign the MOU and then that will get passed around to city council. Yeah. And then 
And are you handling, um, you're handling comms with Abbott and, and making that announcement and communicating back to county and all of that stuff? Yes. Yeah, it should go out in the current this week. Um, and then, um, I forgot what I was going to say, but yeah. <laughs> and on implementation and all of those pieces, I mean, the good news about all this is that the whole reason for this rush is that we could get actual help from the county to implement it. So it's, yeah. you know, where we didn't have that before, we'll soon use plastic, we're, you know, we're hiring a team, we're figuring it out, we're, yeah, now it's actually going to be done consistently. So there's really no, now it's over to them to sort of present you the plan and, and you don't, do you need anything else from us? As far as I know, no, um, we're, we're waiting for that MOU to officially be signed, but um, enforcement is not going to begin until, I think, March, uh, November 10th. Yeah. Um, so there's some sort of phase-in period. Maybe you all know more about it. The yeah, I just know the same, the same day you know, yeah. Okay. But it seems like um, fees and inspection is going to pass through um, the county's health services department. So when they do the the health inspections of um, the food vendors, then that's where when they're going to be checking back. So as far as I know, it will just automatically start on November 10th. Okay. Um, so that's great because that then feeds into we can scratch that off of our priority list. That was number one, and now we're up to the next one, which fed into that, um, which was so, you know mostly having to do with waste reuse, but but the green business certification piece, which also brings in other things like, you know, electrification elements and, you know, looking at the green business county program. And then do we want to have sort of some extra bells and whistles for qualifying as a Sausalito green business, for instance, you know, if you have a charger, you know, it's a program that needs to either be looked at and designed, which is more work for Katie in the city and you know to be or is it something that the county's version of Marin Green business is actually something we can just help promote and suggest and it's kind of plug and play. I think those are the two decisions that need to be made. So it may be time for um, Mark had done a ton of work on researching the green business program, but now Mark, what that was like almost two years ago now, right? right? So I think it's probably time that we think about a future agenda item being bringing in those guys mm -hmm. to talk about the program again, what it is, ask some questions. Katie can hear um, right away. And, and then we're looking at if we do that in the next meeting or two, we're kind of getting up on that November date and they can dovetail together. Um, other than that, not too much on, on the waste update. Perhaps I turn it over to you guys. Yeah. No, we don't have booked update other than we've got in meeting on SB thirteen eighty three seven talking that with Cal Recycle that I missed that meeting, but Katie was Katie got to speed on a lot of stuff with waste, I think, right away, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I feel like I've also hit the ground running with composting and <laughs> everything <laughs> along those lines. Um we I guess the story on that is we got a grant from Zero Waste Marin for around twenty-eight thousand dollars. Um, which was already in hand when I when I got here, and we only had until May second to spend it. Um, <laughs> which I found about about maybe two weeks before May second. Um, so I partnered with um, Parks and Rec 
and hopefully about a few things off of the eligible list. And then we'll be resubmitting for um, reimbursement next week. And then Parks and Rec was also able to charge a bunch of things that they had already bought that looked like it would meet the eligibility list. Um, so we spent around almost up to $21,000 of our $28,000. Um, and then we have some money from Cal Recycle coming down the line um, that we need to figure out how to spend it on. But I have. So is that the 1383 grant that, that the zero waste yeah. stopped doing the grant they used to do? Then they pushed it into a reimbursement grant. Is that what that was? Do you know? There was. That seems like too much money for that grant. Uh, right? that, yeah, the yeah. one we used to get was not that. Right. Yeah. But they would just send a check and then we would, that's we used it back for single use. And then we couldn't get it anymore. They gave us extra money this year for 1383 implementation. That's the right. story that I know. So that's why we had 28 grams. <laughs> okay. Do you, what, what were some of the purchases? Um, Parks and Rec. Purchased a bunch of things for their upcoming events, so compostable items. So we don't have, hopefully, don't have any more plastic items at Jackson Blue Spend. Okay, <laughs> you're looking at me. Is it already my reputation? It's on my list. Um, so yeah, those were the majority of the purchases. Um, some other things also came in reusable bags for like the Halloween festival that had already happened. Things things that the city was already paying for, but we were just hopefully gonna submit that under reimbursement. Um, so uh, I'm submitting it next week. So gathering all those. So no more money to be spent. No, cut off deadline with May second. And I think that if there's money left over, if we don't spend it, goes back into the pool, right? I mean, if you don't spend the money, it's not you don't get to retain it, but I think it's out there for the next time. Yeah, yeah. I think so. It, it goes back. That's all I know. Right. I don't know if it's going to be made available again or when. I think it is, unless okay. they decide they don't, unless they have some other contingency budget. I don't know about, but yeah, I think that's the idea behind it. Okay. In the past, that's been. Um, and then Ali obviously couldn't come, but he gave me some updates on small trash capture um, that DPW is working off of. They're working with, is it MC Stocks? Is that what MC McStocks? All those giant acronyms, MC, SP, O, P, P, P. Some acronym that I obviously don't know. Um, they're placing six small capture, six small trash capture devices in existing catch basins around the city. Um, the focus is around Princess, Bridgeway, intersections, and areas around the ferry terminal. The idea is to catch trash before it gets into the bay, and um, they would either be basket-style capture devices or a screen in front of the outflowing pipe. Um, both styles require DPW's ongoing maintenance, but the intent is to try to um, I think this is supposed to say divert waste from the bin, obviously, and see what works best for the city. Um, and then in Liberty Ship, they have large trash capture devices, um, hopefully going in. A kickoff meeting with Marin County and other participants is proposed in the next few weeks to prepare designs um, for a large trash capture device along Liberty Ship Way. And those are the updates that I have from all of them. All right, good. Um, is that it for waste then? 
Okay. And um, public outreach. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Number one is uh, we mentioned this when we had our first meeting, but education on um, the gas powered landscape equipment um, ban for, in particular, um, landscaping companies. Yes. Um, uh, flyer, multilingual flyers, any any movement or thought on that? And the second piece of that is enforcement and if we found out the metrics and... Yeah, so I wasn't able to get a number from police. I didn't, they didn't respond to my request yet, but I haven't actually like knocked down the door to ask for one, but I did check with code enforcement. Um, they have had four complaints since it was enacted. It was it in January? Um, second phase was January. Second phase, okay. And um, Paul, our code enforcer, has followed up on all of them. Um, that was the details that I received from him. Um, and then in terms of... So it's going to, sorry, can I clarify? Is there the number when you call it goes to the police, right? So is the, do we send it to code enforcement? So technically, if you go onto the city's website, it sends you to code enforcement. So okay. when you look at the information on the gas powered ban, it says contact code enforcement. Um, maybe a lot of people just divert to contacting the police. I don't actually have those numbers. Okay. In the I was in the noise ordinance, what does it direct them to? Do we know? Um, I hear, yeah, I hear yeah. Paul talk a lot about the noise ordinance. Okay. So <laughs> I, I, I think that just that's an, uh, maybe a future, maybe Abbott type of yeah. uh, thing. Once everyone feels comfortable, I mean, four seems quite manageable. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe that's something that could be a feature in currents of you know. How's it going with the landscape thing? Remember, these are banned. And what to do, you email and if and you don't pick up the phone. And what's this, what's the third level agreement from code enforcement when they get a call? Is it like we'll respond to you in a week? We'll respond to you in 24 hours. Because if if people are thinking they're and the, the feedback I heard was calling the police and they say, well, we Time. Yeah. So if they're not supposed to be getting it, like that's not it's a good like, word out. Yeah. We don't want them to get a bad rep for ignoring that and they're not yeah. supposed to be getting it. So I think just some clarification would be useful. Well, yeah. if the court of enforcement followed up on 404, usually it has to be done kind of right away when the noise is happening. So they must be successful in getting to them pretty quickly. Think. Yeah, I, I actually don't know his timeline or his process at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, follow it up could just be, I hear you and and sorry, <laughs> right? Rather than let me get in the car and go and say, stop that. Right. So I think that's why maybe there's a thought that it's it's police, like a noise enforcement, like yeah. my neighbor's playing a stereo too loud and the police roll out. So I don't know what it is, but I think we should probably get clarification. Yeah. Especially because there could be confusion because it is built and in with the that noise. should tell people to call code code enforcement if that's a separate number, you know, it should be pretty yeah. straightforward. So yeah. yeah, clarity. And clearly we don't know the exact answer. We no one else does either. It would be nice to know what their enforcement mechanism is, but what, what do they actually do if they get it? Yeah. And so then on the education on the landscaping slide side, um, 
Um, I just had my fire safety uh, oh, done. My and they used electric. It's very, very impressed with my chosen landscapers. Um, but but how do we know everyone got the message? Um, so do we do we have flyers that residents could print out? Yeah. Um... I don't, I don't have any educational flyers mm -hmm. that were passed down to me for this. I'm more than happy to make that they've never been made. Nothing okay. really, it was never <laughs> implemented in that way. It was just, it was communicated in currents and the ordinance was passed. That's it. Okay. So I think a nice extra thing would be yeah. good to have there. And then we could feature that on the sustainability website, you know, print this out and pass that out. I don't think we need to spend money on sending it and putting it in boxes. Okay, but so those that's that was item one. Um, I'll move through quickly and just the. Um, well, let me ask you a question. Okay. Um, yeah. If the lands, if the landscaper is licensed to do business in Sacramento, you could probably go through their business license and the bond renewal or through education or through that. Yeah. 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 Mailer. Yeah, I was wondering if there's any sort of vendor list. That could be really easily just yeah through the business probably through the, the business items or even maybe through the chamber. Well, a lot of landscapers don't have No, I know, but it, but I know, but it's just one way to get some information, or maybe even through the chamber. Um, I know a lot of, of those folks come in and leave, and but I do know landscapers that live and work here, so the chances are they have a business license. Um, but yeah, that's might be other ways, or even yeah, even or, an email for right. a no cost solution. Yeah, email through the business license. And the chamber also might be a way to, to you know, people have their businesses with the chamber. Mm -hmm. About yeah. about the flyer, the feeling I got, and I don't know where I got this, but I felt the city didn't want neighbors confronting other neighbors, mm -hmm. you know, to join the flyer. Right. I think they wanted code code enforcement to. Even neutral party or whatever. So I think, I, think, I mean, granted, I'm, you know, I'm sort of on behalf of, of someone I saw in the street I mentioned before who was, you know, walking up and down the street with a binder paper and like not allowed. He was going to find the actual landscaper and sort of say, hey, you know, by the way, did you know? So it's more about the need to communicate to landscapers in this particular case, but you're right, it could also be. A neighbor going up to a neighbor's door or putting it in there. Yeah, but maybe it is that maybe or it a is neighbor going up to somebody's the landscaper they don't know. I don't know. Yeah, no, you're right. So maybe it, it is there needs to be an assumption that not everyone reads currents and if right. if there's a handout, a mailer, a mailer, a direct mail campaign. Anyway, um, that's food for thought. Um, the next one is um, so the moving to events. Um, oh, there was a recommendation from Kimmery that perhaps you two should talk to um, uh, talk to the women's club next, perhaps about electrification. Mm -hmm. Kimmery spoke with them on World Water Day, um, so if we you know for a continued presence there, that that might be a good um, conversation for that group. Um, and you, you're already connected with them. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Um, um, okay, so for events, it's coming around that time. And since we have, we no longer have monthly meetings, I'm gonna throw out a couple of event things. Um, so one is Jazz and Blues. 
soapbox need not be stepped on because hopefully we've solved the problem of plastic showing up anywhere at that event, including another taking over your soapbox. Okay, good. And then so that's like key messaging there would be to the nonprofits who are being, you know, told here's your day, that there's a new message that needs to be delivered to them, like FYI, you're not gonna have plastic cups. Um, and that's going off of my experience last year, checking into it where nonprofits were feeling like, you know, well, you know, I'm not going to make as much money or something, which was completely not correct because of how the cost was, but just not even an option. Yeah. So last year, did we have um, volunteers buy the cans so that there was appropriate sorting? I can't remember. I feel like the signage was very good. I mean, they did a great job with those yeah. huge bins, but I think maybe, you know, other bins, you know, some of those you know, we've talked before mm -hmm. about the bins that aren't the big, beautiful ones, but they're the, the ones without the sign that are often early go south. So maybe there's some. Well, they, they, they cover the. Well, they cover the, they the cover the, they cover the, they call the triplets, and then they just put out the carts. Mm -hmm. Now, I, um, what about the, the guys that don't have the signs? Just those, the ones that look like the cement, the old school. Yeah, those, those just probably, we should probably think about him. Yeah, it's consolidating. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of cans out there. Yeah. But if you have the stations, it works out a lot better. Stations, you're mm -hmm. Yeah, well, maybe we could just, maybe we could come up with us, because those are just strictly landfill. Right, but no one knows that's so what we call it. Yes. Yeah, so maybe we could come up with a sticker or something we can hang on. I'll think about that. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. Do you use the picture cards? Have you ever seen those where there's kind of just like a card with pictures? So Yeah, well, that's what, we, that's what they have at Jazz by the Bay. That's what yeah. we use. Like, we have the toters. We just put this little stick behind there. And it's really nice. And so within the placard, some of the, some of the, Triplets have signs, but yeah, the, the picture cards would be good, and that's what I, that's almost what the only thing you can use on the cement cans. Right. So yeah, we want to think about how to get yeah. one on the one on the back or something. And while we're on the Jazz and Blues topic, then we typically do a sustainability night, which is the night you guys are there. Are you planning to do that again? I think they scheduled us already, so they didn't have to schedule us, didn't they? Do you know yeah, in July. The third Friday in July, I think it is. Um, when they sent it, I go. Last so year like, was that? That's what it was. Yeah, the twenty second. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that'll be that's always a key um, night for us for tabling and stuff like that. And um, yeah, um, I had in my notes if we wanted to not to interrupt you, sir. Um, if we wanted to ask other partners. For tabling events for Jazz and Blues, like resilient neighborhoods, and see if mm -hmm. maybe we can get some freebies in from the Zero Waste Marine, get some free composting bins, some love, love shower heads, like those kinds of things, maybe for like the first. I mean, this is like an example of now that you're here, yeah. 
go to town because <laughs> inability night every Friday. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I was gonna suggest it, but it definitely not what's going on. I was like, are we gonna do this every Friday? <laughs> <laughs> I was supposed to not seem to for me, but I mean, why not? I mean, we, we know we have the night where you guys cook, and, and so that's where the commission would we had our table and we sort of had a just a plethora of different flyers and things, but to bring in partners, there's one one day it's about ease, idea, another yeah. day it's resilient, it's like yeah. go for it. And I then drive clean, you know. Yeah. And we don't need to have a sustainability commission, yeah, right? In that right. case, we just I mean I'll be there every week anyway. And and most most of us are sort of in and out of there and we can always be sort of you know, checking in and, and milling around. But um, I love that idea of spreading it out. Yeah, yeah maybe I can draft up some sort yeah. of schedule with a theme to have dedicated people. That's a great idea. <laughs> to help me yeah. answer the question. Yeah, yeah. That's that's great. Yeah, though, but how many nights? There are like many, there's 12, I think. There's, I actually have on here. Every Friday from yeah. like, yeah. The beginning of June to like September. Yeah, it's, it's September. Yeah, I just did an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, I need to get a table. Here, I have it right here. Um, yeah, uh, starts on June second right. through September fifteenth, and it is um, the table. Yeah, sixteen, sixteen nights. 16 right I thought. So you have 16 opportunities. <laughs> and our, ours is July 21st. Okay. July 21st, do you mm -hmm. So maybe that would easily be like waste and recycling then. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So, that's great. We can continue with that offline, and that's going to be like email communication Probably, yeah. routed from you because we're not going to be together yeah. to be able to sort out who needs to do what. Um, Fourth of July parade, believe it or not, is coming before our next commission meeting. Um, I am not here, so I, I, I can't do anything. Um, Kimmery says she has guests in town, so I'm assuming that means that she can't. Be relied upon to, to, to sort of carry a torch. Nick, I talked to, and I believe he will be here and, and is game to do something like walk again. You're not here. Um, Are you guys here for Fourth of July? Maybe. And interested? Yeah, maybe. I'm not maybe. Sure. Okay, so I have the banner, right? We got a banner, Katie, last year, Sustainability Commission. It's have to give it to whomever to march with. Um, I probably could be something where we, I mean, I think you just, the commission says whether they want to be in the parade or not. Worst case scenario. Yeah, right. Ask me. I was like, I mean, it's not like yeah. the, there's no risk to us saying, I mean, if, if we're not there, we're not there. Yeah. I think the parade's going to stop. So I guess we can just say yes, maybe. <laughs> and if maybe, if you, are you guys doing it? We usually don't. We usually do, yeah. So yeah. if, if, you know, at least two folks, yeah. you know, yeah. Katie, you and Mick and, and his family yeah. are well, not you're not going to be here either. Yeah. Sorry. So we'll, we'll, we'll give it to Nick if he and his family want to write up a banner or a maybe is what you can tell them. Okay. Um, unfortunately, yeah. That, yeah. 
And then e-waste event, we have, do we just have, we have one this weekend? No. Or next weekend? No, no. What, what am I going to learn? Oh, I read about it in Snow, it was Snow Valley. Yeah, right? we just had our, we had our, what, back in February or whatever? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. We, we, we typically we just have it one once a year. We do it after the holidays. Oh, I thought we did it twice. Well, we can, we can schedule another one. We can try to schedule another one. Well, why don't we do one at Jasmine Woods now? Um, that night, you just said, oh, no, no, no. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know how you can do it. I know that um, for Earth Day, Felicia had one up then down there. So I don't know how that works. So I can ask, I can well, find that's out. That's easy for you. That is a, I know it's, that's you guys coordinate all that. So yeah. you, you, whatever, it's easy Because yeah. to have an e-waste event, you have to have a location. You have to have it signed off by the property much, owner. And that's like 90 days in advance. Okay. You guys do yeah. enough. But how she got off with putting just a cardboard bin to collect e-waste, maybe that's a different thing. So yeah, okay, I'll find out. Well, right. yeah, we can see maybe, maybe that's a e-waste night, maybe. We can explore that. Um, on, and the other thing, <laughs> are basically, you know, the only other question I had was, you know, I know Katie, we talked about some website stuff. Um, I think maybe that's something we could take offline and just have an outreach subcommittee meeting with you to go over some of these details and just tighten up our, our process for delivering information over to and and whatever advice you need from us. Um, there was also um, final thing is one thing from the community, the the the, Am the Amazon box campaign is 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 reached out again. This is something that's come up a, a few times in the past. We had um, uh, been asked to sign a letter a couple of years ago for a pilot. We we declined back then based on some unanswered questions. Um, it's come around again, just, it was a couple days ago, so it was too early to research and get into, but, um, um, you know, we can look into that and, and see if that's something we want to, um, that wants to get done. Okay. What is that? It's something to do with, and I have to, I have to go, like I said, it just came in, so I, I saw it on my, basically, couple days ago sent it out and we're going to take it up in a subcommittee so I haven't looked at it for deeply but it's um, looking for the ability to cut down on Amazon, Amazon boxes and stuff but my concern is that it, it had to do with a charge and I'm, I need to make sure that the, I don't know if they're trying to suggest that residents and anyone ordering has to pay some sort of charge. Mm -hmm. So I think we need to get them in here and, yeah. and see. And I also have questions about the transportation on the pickup. And anyway, it's something to dig into. But just letting you know that, that one of the sections we had within outreach was incoming from the community that, that has come in the month that we haven't taken up yet. So that's the only one I've seen. That's it for me. Okay, wow. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, equity, David. Um, no real reports there. There's a, there's some. I think as we start looking at these different, uh, you know, same thing I say often. You know, as we get more connected with that that kind of get these issues around who wins and who loses with these modifications, yeah. of course, and you yeah. know the costs. Like when you start talking about EV infrastructure, uh, what was curious in that statement was Tiburon, Belvedere, and um, what was the other community? Oh, Ross. 
have the highest EV registrations, probably Teslas. Yes, <laughs> yeah. and you know the largest Tesla, you know, like Zapper is in Marin, in, yeah. you know, Marin ship over at the at the. Yeah. Um, they have one level two charge point. The rest are Tesla. Yeah. So these inequities around you know this area continue to pop up, particularly in infrastructure, and with all the attention on Renship and, and what's going to happen over there, I think um, that will continue to come up. And also, even within the, the code enforcement around electrification of these homes, um, you know, and the multifamily disparities, because here we have so many multifamilies. So again, pull together, until some of these start to really get into that dialogue, we're just sort of hassling on this. Yes, it's helpful to hear the progress and the, the awareness, number one, and the progress that is being made and still needs to be made with multifamily, uh, both electrification and EV charging. And it's just, yeah, got to get that on. So. Yeah, and, 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 and you know, as a city council, I think we're in a role to make these these propositions where we start looking at, you know, who is it serving and why. Yeah. And you know, are there inequities in these decisions that have long-ranging effects? Um, I was really stunned by that. I was looking at that graph. It's like it was literally two and a half x anywhere else in Marin, Belvedere, Ross, and Tiburon with electric registrations. <laughs> so um, there you go. Okay. <laughs> with respect to Michelle's appointment, am I? Am I incorrect with saying that there's a Marin City non-voting seat on the Sustainability Commission? Is that correct. correct? Yeah, that is correct. There's a position here. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is that something that it's been it's been open and yeah. no one has applied well, since it's been open. We we had some conversations, you know, sharing the information, you know. Um, but we haven't we haven't gone and, and actively promoted it. But I mean, I think if you, I mean, I think if you haven't already, if you have, you know, as with any of the people that you're meeting in your network now, people, your peers and community, I'm not sure of, I forget what the, the, the um, city council, it's not called city council in Prince City, but they have a community mm -hmm. services district. Yes. So within them, if there's like a sustainability point person, that would be really great for you to build a relationship there and just let them know about that seed. Are they interested in that um, or not? We've been looking for collaboration opportunities for a long time and um, doing a little bit like, you know, through the events is where we have most collaboration, but that's just more sort of mingling and getting to know people, not actually teaming on objectives yeah it would be great to figure out a better way to collaborate with them and they one awareness is they don't they they, they want to and should control their own destiny so we can collaborate with them but they may not want to join the sausalito sustainable yeah, yeah. which may be fine if we you know, have some kind of connection yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, there was some initial feedback that perhaps that was, but that, I mean, that feedback was from yeah. you know, someone, someone who's not here today so that I can speak for, but also one person. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
Marin County, uh, my update, I don't have anything really new, still connected in and participating in some of the county initiatives, but we see those in terms of like Christine's presentation on the EVs and Mark will be talking about the electrification ordinance that's the county thing. So I don't have anything specific to cover today on that. It's beyond those things. Um, sea level rise task force. Katie gets to meet our point person now. Michelle comes on. Yeah, Michelle. <laughs> right. I'm going to thank Michelle pretty much for what yeah. is our, our update. Um, the RFP hopefully is going to on the complaint calendar to council in June, early June ish. Um, and it's awaiting review now. And um, just so the what will that get us? That those that those dollars will get us. Yeah, so part of the dollars are going to get us a shoreline plan. Yeah. And so that would be uh, a lot of outreach to the community, seeing what people want to see along their shoreline, understanding how vulnerable it is to different amounts of sea level rise in the future, where there might be problems. Um, probably, you know, I think we're going to hear a request for using natural infrastructure wherever that makes sense, trying to plan that in along the shoreline. Um, and then other than that, you know, seeing where the problems are maybe it's with our stores, what with our sewer, sewer agency doing for their adaptation planning. Um, the marine ship area is is a big area where we know that's going to be subject to high groundwater and um, and overtopping. How do we address that in a, a fair and um, effective way and a lot of towns their solution might just be to build a big levy along the edge but we have a relationship with the bay where we want kind of a porous shoreline so how do we factor that in i think there's a lot that's unique about sausalito with the working waterfront that needs to get back in um and then where are there going to be some impacts maybe use other things like um like restoration of willow creek to offset those impacts so um, looking at a cohesive shoreline plan and prioritizing projects within that so that you can decide like what's most important to do first, second, third, what happens like a little further in the future. Mm. Good. Okay. And then we're asking for this might be more than you want, but we're asking for like, you know, breaking it into just some discrete projects, putting some cost estimates on those, some timing, looking at potential partners, funding sources for those. And did I, is it also true that any development would have to adjust their plan to be able to be at the right height or whatever that is? There would be recommendations for policy yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. that the city could implement. Yeah, got it. Right now, there's nothing that says they have to do anything. Yeah, right. We make recommendations, and sometimes they say that sounds great, and sometimes they say, I'm not going to lead on this. Yeah. Okay. That those policies will be important. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Uh, water. Well, our lead water, Kimberly, isn't here tonight, <laughs> yeah. uh, but she has been working on the background. I did see a lot of traffic around the current assets. So, one of the, um, I missed the last meeting, but one of the areas that Kimberly and I were looking at is what are, do we have any inventory of the different? water assets and, and what are the risk factors in the community and she did some outreach around that and had some discussion to see what those um, are 
the other issues that we were looking at was what's the capability of our water systems in terms of servicing under the new housing restrictions. Um, and you start talking about 728 units or whatever it is. Um, you know, do we even have that ability to process that water, both on inflow and outflow? And where are the limitations that the city might run into with this treatment of, of that particular discharge water? So those are the big topics that um, Kimmy and I were looking at, and she had reached out to the city, and there were some, there was quite a bit of conversation about that. So um, we'll have to follow up with her next time. Okay. Let's see those, but I know that the city would, has limited, from the information I got, limited knowledge of the assets as well. Um, and of course, in the sea level issue, a lot of those that infrastructure is running along bridge right. Um, so it's just it's a little bit like pulling a string. Um, you know, when you combine all these different factors. But I think that the area that we were really looking at had to do with housing element in terms of servicing those additional units. And if the city even has the capability to service that district water. Um, uh, those topics didn't come up in those housing element conversations um, and what the cost of that might be, you know, to, to modify those. Um, if you talk about, you know, the, the unit connections, and then of course the infrastructure, and is the infrastructure even in the streets that can handle that? So those were the issues that we were talking about. So um, I know that she was running running a lead on that. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. There's just a lot. <laughs> I'm just I'm just like, <laughs> I know. Now you start, it's like pulling a string. It's like, well, no. It's great we have this you know subcommittee and experts like michelle joining us and then you know willow creek it's like the whole thing is it's good to see this moving forward it's a big one so thank you um, i don't think that's not a whole lot of engineer yeah yeah i think the issue is so much of the city infrastructure runs along bridgeway which is in the flood zone and this is something i even was chatting with janelle about is when you start looking at the physical infrastructure, including the waste treatment plant and all of the utility connections that, you know, the pump houses and so forth. And they're all within the rise, right? So yeah. um, it gets it gets it gets rather apocalyptic pretty quickly when you start thinking about just small incremental changes and in what the impacts was have. So at least, you know, we're talking about it. So if there are any capital improvements or you know these things come up for the city council to wrestle with, we can step in and be like, hey, by so the way. The sewer agency has an adaptation plan that told us that we have a I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Cool. All right. They they learn from the brunettes, so they're gonna be an offer that thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, energy. So I'm going to start on energy by saying that we have a, a very cool initiative in place now for this building, City Hall, to become a model for full decarbonization and electrification. And um, we have interfaced with MCE for their program for replacing the gas appliances with electric, and that's I don't know where you, I don't know if you have an update on that. You probably don't, right? No. Scheduling. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's their their um, uh, vendor on this. Will Dan is the one who does. They come in, they do the analysis, and they come back and say, "Here's what 
can be replaced, should be replaced. Here's the funding for it. So that's in progress. We don't have answers, but at least that's in progress. The chargers that we know are going to be installed at some point, hopefully soon. And we've got solar on the roof, and so now we have an initiative to add energy storage to that and make this a resilience uh, example. So the whole building becomes an example of the future, decarbonized, electrified, resilient. Uh, um, there's a um, grant from PG&E on money to make it a resilience of and okay. that grant meeting got canceled for tomorrow so I don't know yeah you may have an update I don't know <laughs> um I don't have an update actually on that grant I know the meeting has been I think if I follow the email chain correctly we're scheduled for next Tuesday when Janelle's back in town okay I have to make sure I'm right. it is. I don't have an invitation for it yet you don't okay <laughs> Good. So um, there's that. And then Mark is the key on the electrification ordinance thing. So it's all yours, sir. <laughs> okay. Uh, in terms of City Hall, uh, you know, uh, Bill Gallon made an inquiry as to uh, uh, if we had any suggestions or recommendations for the capital plan. We suggested yeah. electrifying City Hall. So he kind of Adopted that, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that got added to the camera. I have a couple slides to do. To get them oh, okay, yeah, that's what you're going to me. Yeah. I'm going to talk about the ninth circuit court and the uh, Berkeley lawsuit. I don't know if I can sign on my email on here. Oh, okay. Uh, can I? Do you want me to get on Zoom? I can do it. Oh, sure. Yeah, that works. Yeah, I'm sorry. I noticed you tried to join earlier. Don't, don't, I'm just getting 
link no. no. Is it the mute? Can you mute yours? Yours. 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 No. Oh, okay. Okay, I'm just gonna let you read this. Uh, so, okay. So, basically, the um, restaurant association, California Restaurant Association, just broke the court on behalf of some restaurants that were complaining about the natural gas ban, and uh, the the ninth. Circuit Court held that they were uh, preempted by the U U.S. Energy Policy and Conservation Act, which regulates appliances uh, under the health and safety or police provisions of municipal code. Uh, however, as the tech stated, uh, the building codes are an uh, approved way of, of uh, attacking building modification without running the ground of the uh, EPAC, ITCA, Energy Policy Conservation Act. So I think that uh, the way that our recommendations and the draft uh, ordinance has been structured is in line with the amending building code. Uh, it does refer to the health and safety provisions in that the health and safety provisions of California code do allow local municipality jurisdictions to uh, amend local building codes uh, based on geographic, climatic, topographic, uh, uh, and other uh, factors which we've outlined in, in our, all of our findings. So um, I don't see any reason that this should stand in our way, but it is a, a point of information that people should be uh, aware of that, that there are uh, challenges to this law. It doesn't necessarily affect um, states that are outside the Ninth, ninth Circuit. Um, other states may pass laws and bring challenges to this law. So it's not over yet. But uh, at any rate, I think working with the building code is, is certainly the the direction that we've taken from the beginning and that we should continue to pursue. Um, 
So the, 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 the recommendations that we've made include uh, all electric new construction and uh, reach code uh, model, uh, similar to or, or identical to what Marin County's model code is, as well as the Marin County model of electrification infrastructure reach code. Uh, those those two pieces are, are focused on right now. So uh, Melissa asked me a couple of weeks ago for an update on our outreach efforts, and I told her that Greg and I had a meeting lined up with the chamber, which didn't happen yet. Didn't happen yet. Yeah. Not yet. <laughs> and uh, she she reiterated her uh, sense of urgency about about performing adequate amount of community outreach to before we take this to city council. And she says she wants to take it to council before the August recess. Uh, so um, that's coming right up. And, uh, so we'll need to provide her with some data, some numbers, some- So when we talk about outreach and what is being asked in, in the chamber, the code we're going after is new construction. Primarily new construction is going to be residential. We don't really have much room for any commercial construction. So the restaurant challenge in Berkeley, like it's not likely that a restaurant association is gonna come here and have an issue with, with residential right. electrification, but in the chamber of commerce would fall in that same bucket. Are, are you just, anticipating that they may have or hoping for their support because it, it, it isn't really going to affect them. Yeah. But, like, but, what I, research, yeah. what outreach is she wanting? Yeah. If we're outreaching to commerce, which has nothing to do with residential, then are we missing, which means we it's, go with just Well, it, it, it does with the you know, architects and engineers and contractors and suppliers that, you know, those are all businesses that mm. are, are involved yeah. in the construction industry. Yeah. Right, that's and that's maybe they're not all members of the Southfield Chamber of Commerce, but uh, perhaps some of them are. Mm -hmm. I think we we procedurally just need to do some items. One would be currents, one is Chamber of Commerce, and one would be, you know, that the uh, Jazz and Blues Festival and anything else we think. The women's. women's the one, yeah, that's right. We're going to be talking about women's. So if we get those things done, okay, we're good. Yeah. So for for outreach for general public, we when we talked about women's club, yeah. you've got commerce, yeah. currents. Is it that we need to do a a survey situation like they did for the housing element? No, no. It's just an, I think it's we just yeah. we need to do some community yeah. education outreach and document yeah. the number of people that yeah. you know get currents or. Okay. Uh, yeah, and the number of people at different meetings yeah. that we had. Okay, so it's just about you guys submitting yeah. the blurb of what you yeah. need over. Right, and I've developed, you know, a, a bunch of content yeah. that could yeah. be used for little blurbs and, and uh, currents or other. So we can start with what is, what is the blurb that satisfies the requirement for outreach? Like what will make the city council happy in terms of this blurb have gone or yeah. these multiple blurbs have gone because then we could get it scheduled and yeah. say as of x date x many people have received currents with this blurb yeah. or we say as of these three dates these three different blurbs right. will have gone and that's a bigger ask 
occurrence, but we just we need to know what what it is. And um, you know, I think that whoever is communicating with Abbott, we need to uh, let him know that you know this is on the mayor's priority list, and we need to provide some outreach before it the city council. We need something on a regular basis for a few weeks in a row, if possible. And Katie, now that you're here, I mean, things like this, I mean, we can figure out in this outreach subcommittee meeting we're going to have to, but, you know, probably no longer need the outreach subcommittee as a middleman on something from another subcommittee. Right. You know, that that's just, you know, yeah. you go to Katie when you need something, and Katie is, if you need some sort of outreach subcommittee, you know, put it on a list for later, we can run it through, but it shouldn't be any blocks. I'm, I coordinate with Abbott all the time, and I'm happy to say we want we want this run. You got my list of content mm -hmm. stuff. Okay. So and do you want me to just? Yeah. Well, go? you know, pick whatever you think is best, or okay. maybe Abbott would weigh in, or okay. and, uh, and we should put that on our website. Mm -hmm. Somewhere appropriate where it says, "Hey, everyone, if you're here." You need to know this. We have one page on our, our website that's all about home electrification. We can have a link to that yeah, good. with every little board. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, it's come up a couple of times here, and I, I keep thinking, I mean, but our newsletter it only goes out three times a year. I mean, maybe we set a little piece aside. We might have to ask permission, though, if this is if there's no, no conflict, but just have a sustainability commission section. And then we can just put, a, if you have like a quick blurb, just say something in there. And in the past, um, we, we haven't done it for a couple of years, but we probably should. We just did an outright mailer to everybody. Um, and um, we need to do that. So it'd be like four newsletters a year, but one of the newsletters would just make sure it covered, you know, multifamily and everybody, every address and, and town gets it. So um, and it's a little more expensive, but we committed to that a while ago. Um, we can probably maybe look at that. I mean, if that's a, if that's a good idea. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's a great. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be great to have something on paper. Yeah, we get, get sent to everybody. I don't, I don't know if Katie's seen the. And these are our kitchen tales, by the way. These yeah. are our compost. Yeah, we have one of those. <laughs> yeah, so there's there's a current newsletter if anybody wants to see it. But um, so that, but we could just we could just modify or do a two pager. And like four, a four panel, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, is that, I mean, you know, bottom line goal here is we've got 724 new residences that have to be added to this panel. Right. And we need those to be all right. Please. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, transportation, we covered a lot of it in Christine's presentation. Basically, um, you know, Katie will be working with you, right, to support and help move forward in our charging infrastructure we need here. The other item on her list was e-bikes and all that, and that's another one of our priorities for 2023 in the transportation subcommittee is moving that forward. So I don't need to go into the details, but those are important. Yeah, I'm meeting with the mayor hopefully on Monday to discuss fleet. Okay. Yeah, fleet. So, okay. that's my favorite. Oh, that, that was your update from earlier. Oh, yeah, you've had an update, sir. Yeah, that was, I mean, that's the, the short version is on a meeting with the mayor and hopefully discussing the need for a vehicle fleet upgrade 
documented. Okay. Um, because just diving into this is like we need we need to document the need about what vehicles are working for the city right now and what vehicles are not, and yeah. how can we get those mm -hmm. electrified? I mean, there's as Christine put, there's a lot of barriers to that, yeah. and partially being the fact that we don't have the infrastructure for uh, electric vehicles yeah. at this point in time. But I mean, aside from that, um, I've identified funding for. Um, some heavy use vehicles, like so a backhoe that needs to get upgraded. Um, and I think we should, we will be going after funding um, to get that. Not obviously not electric, but um, it will be a tier four engine, which I'm just learning what that means, but apparently it's EPA standards. Um, so yeah, for that will be happening, submitting for that funding early June. And then on the chargers, if there's anything I can do. I have a little blurb from Ali. Oh, yeah. What did Ali say? It's basically what he said earlier this week, but DPW is reviewing contracts with um, integrative charging and intertie. The city yeah. attorney has taken a look at previous contract documents and is recommending staff to make significant changes to the contract to get the EVs installed. Further actions such as rebidding the project may be may be necessary in compliance um, to be in compliance with current codes. DPW is meeting internally to develop the next next course of action. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Rebidding. We have Intersight who's local, and we have this person who's a neighbor, Ben. He was doing the financing for this as a combined solution, which is all. Those of us who are in this understanding when you finance this stuff up front, it's really easy to get it deployed. Municipalities can do it easily. So I'm curious about why there's this hiccup. I'll find out. But um, uh, you know, just from maybe this little lesson learned reading through the lines that can be taken away for building electrification. Um, I would say involve the city attorney yeah. early and often. Okay. On reviewing things yeah. to make sure we are not moving forward with something that he doesn't see fit. Okay. I'm happy to facilitate. Yeah, okay. That. Great. Great. Uh, all right. Can I can I raise something back to electrification yeah. and just the blur? I had just forgotten about um something I heard um a feedback on the electrification proposal. Maybe putting in there something about the not just hey this is what we want but the assurance that has do we know that it's going to be able to be fed appropriately by utility um, you know do we know that that's not going to affect our rates you know all of those things about and we may not know the answers now but just acknowledging that that is. Um, being considered that it's that you know is the supply going to be like it's going to be similar to this water yeah. thing right yeah. that we just covered with this new thing wouldn't that same concern about right. well so we got all these like that that was an interesting conversation recently about yeah. relating to the housing element yeah. I think the timing is good because the housing element you know, just came out okay it's not there so. We have these interesting sustainability elements. 
But I think that would be useful to be included, the acknowledgement that we're thinking about that right. shows we're, we're thinking big picture, not just trying to push through our particular agenda. And to address your concern about the available power in the future, um, both MCE and PGE have uh, claimed quite a few times that you know, they're well prepared to supply electrification infrastructure well in the future. And uh, that uh, they have a mandate to maintain, I think it's a 15% margin over what their actual load is. And that uh, uh, they they predict that, you know, this electrification is going to be the next 30 years. It's not going to happen overnight. They're going to be building up their capacity uh, as well. So, yeah, so shouldn't be a big concern. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. But and, it, it's, 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 it's not just for the yeah. what I heard. <laughs> but, 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 yeah, the, yeah, I think yeah. that exact thing, like in coordination with yeah. utilities and yeah. who are preparing for capacity, just helps with um, getting out in front of them. Okay. Um, our last item is the Blue Economy Liaison. I'll be very quick. So, this is the fun part about having these task forces, and then this is my grade two, us setting up a nonprofit called Sea Futures, S-E-A. And it's a blue economy innovation zone accelerator and hub because we have the bridge and its history and its capabilities and its services for marine things. So we, we look at this and go, okay, we can bring in innovations, we can bring in entrepreneurs, we can bring in venture, partners, we can bring in other accelerators, collaborators, and we can do blue economy solutions right here in Salisbury with friendship. And so that's what we're establishing. So it's pretty cool. There's a lot more behind that, but essentially it's what Janelle and others have said, we could do this. Why not? So we're we're setting this up. Uh, primarily electrification of marine vessels. It is a combination of blue economy priorities, that being one of them, but also ocean health and, and all, all, all of it. Yeah. The question is, it's kind of a matchmaking of what do we need for ocean health, blue economy, all that stuff, and what can we provide them here in the marine ship with services and space and all that stuff, and what venture purpose we're bringing. We are partnering with a, an organization called Brave Theory, which is down in LA, but is doing blue economy accelerators in multiple places, and they're going to bring their expertise and knowledge venture people to this to help it get going. We're just filing and getting, getting off the ground and our next step is getting funding. So that's going to be like June on. We're going to be out there knocking on doors. So if you know of anybody you might want to fund this locally for us here in Sausalito, please let me know. Um, are you familiar with Altus? Yes. Okay. So that's great theory works with all we can directly. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm working on with them right now. Are you? Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, they're executive director Terry Cinnamon. Um, so it's a very similar model yeah. under the Port Authority in LA. Yeah. And they've run into some funding problems. So we're yeah. like a phone call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they're 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 trying to build out a similar type of facility structure that we have here. And they have good donor base and they've raised a bunch of money. And they're putting in an incubator model and yeah. mostly around um, uh, ocean technologies with 
different types of power systems and aquaculture and so forth. Um, but so it's a very I'm glad you know about that because it's tracking the similar type of program yeah. that you guys are. And it's interesting because they're a port, they're in the port. Yeah. That's you know basically yeah. LA port. We port are port. in the bay, and so we have a different, a little different focus, right. but some some overlap. And Brave Theory is going to help. Yeah, right. yeah. super. Yeah, they've done a huge amount of work, and that's great. But it's similar type, and we're you know being in Los Angeles, they're pulling from the USC and UCLA, yeah. and, and we're right here. We can pull from Berkeley yep. and Stanford, and so all this technology can focus around these particular objectives as long as there's a place to do it. Yeah. And that was the model that they did with all the seeds. Like you need a place to go, and yeah. there's a place to go. That's so, great. Yeah. Well, we can maybe talk about ideas for funding. Yeah, I was chatting with Kerry the other day about it. He's, he's sort of the running that. Um, they ran into a funding problem because they were dealing with timing issues around the improvements of the buildings and the different PG. They, they went all solar, they went all battery, microgrids, and they had interconnect time windows. And they burned their reserves now to make those windows. And now they're running out of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. I know we're, we're past time, so we're going to. Um... Move quickly here. Future agenda items. Just uh, the reiterating maybe the Marin Green Business Program out of the Community Development Agency of the county could be interesting to pull in. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Good, yeah. You have the contact. Yeah, yeah. 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 All right, um, anything else? When is our next meeting? Well, on the blue comedy, one thing I learned when we did a tour of heat ceramics, the tour guide told us that Marinship they have, because of its history in Brooklyn, they have a tremendous yeah. amount of electrical capacity. They have a they have a ton of electrical capacity, yeah. <laughs> so there's no, right. no shortage of juice to do stuff. And we already have Intertie there, which is a you know microgrid solar storage charging company. We have Novia there, which is a floating solar company. Like we already have some climate sustainability, you know, innovators there. We just gonna bring more in and a little more focused on the ocean side of things. But and didn't they release their like yeah. hydrofoil boat yeah. last week or something like that? And we that that's another so the, the electric taxi electric water taxi subject and Javier is in Canela and we need to find a slip. So um uh, you know our developed person's working on that. Okay. So, anyway, okay. All right, we good? We can adjourn. Thanks everyone. Thank you. Thank you. The 13th, right? July 13th. Thank you. Yeah. Unless it gets changed to 400. I'll be two days back from vacation. Oh, where are you going? <laughs>